Hi, I'm Pastor Jason from Yokine Baptist Church, and this is a sermon recorded at one of our Sunday morning services. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. Enjoy. Now, CSI's theme song says, Who Are You? And that's appropriate because, you know, the job of a CSI is to determine who committed the crime. And one of the tools that CSIs use is fingerprinting. The practice has become so prevalent now that we use fingerprinting as a, as a general term of speech. You know, to be like, oh, that sermon's got Jason's fingerprints all over it, you know. Something like that, you know. So we, it's just a common term that we all use now. And when it comes to the cross of Christ, there are several people of interest who left their fingerprints at the scene of that crime. So let's look at who they are. The first suspect are the, chiefs, the chief priests and the Pharisees. Now, our text today declares that Christ's death was a premeditated action by the religious leaders of Israel. We read in Matthew that the chief priests and elders and all assembled in the palace of the high priest and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. Their decision was premeditated. They plotted to kill Jesus. But why would they do that? Why was Jesus a suspect? What was their motive? And the motive really was that they were afraid of Jesus. Um, If we look uh, a little earlier in the life of Jesus, just a few weeks uh, before this, we read a story of how Jesus went to the grave of his friend Lazarus, who had died and had been in the grave for a few days. And we read that Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and he was still all wrapped in his grave clothes and everything. And we read that many of the Jews that had come to visit Mary, many of the people that had turned up to mourn Lazarus, ended up believing in Jesus because of what had happened. And so, the Pharise- so some people went and told the Pharisees and they all got together and had a meeting and they said, here is this man performing signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our temple and our nation. But then high, high priest Caiaphas spoke up and said, don't you realise it's better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish? And so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. See, they were afraid that everyone would start believing in Jesus. And the first thing that would do would take away their power. That was their motive, they were going to lose that. And the second thing they were genuinely worried about was that Jesus might come across as a threat to Caesar and it might cause the Romans to retaliate against Israel. So there we go, there's the, there's the crime solved, isn't it? The, the fingerprints are all over it. It's the Jewish leaders that killed Jesus. But they weren't the only ones. There were other fingerprints at the scene of this crime. Acts chapter 3 tells us that there was a crowd of people who were gathered at the temple when Peter got up to speak. Uh, Peter and John had just healed a lame man and it had attracted mobs of attention and Peter began to speak to them and he said this, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, although Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. 
Now, Peter wasn't talking to the, the religious leaders. He wasn't talking to the chief priests here. He was talking to the ordinary religious people that had just turned up on the day. He was talking to the crowd of people who were there at the time of Jesus' death. And so when we do get to Jesus' death, we read this story about how um, Pilate had this tradition of letting a prisoner go. And so he said, okay, who do you want me to release to you? Do you want me to release Jesus Barabbas or do you want me to release Jesus the Messiah? And the crowd all said, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. And he said, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus the Messiah? And they said, crucify him, kill him, get rid of him. So there's our second lot of suspects, the Jewish people themselves who were gathered on that day, the religious leaders and the people. Now, you often see in um, CSI TV shows that there's usually a red herring, you know, there's like some evidence that points just to one person and it kind of leads people down that path and they just focus on that one person. And it's a, you know, in, the, in the TV shows, it's just a red herring really to keep us guessing, isn't it? They want us to think that some guy's the murderer so that there can be a twist at the end of the episode. But unfortunately, throughout history, too many people have pointed the finger just at this one group at the exclusion of everybody else. For some people, the Jewish fingerprints are all they can see at the cross of Christ. I mean, everybody knows the Jews killed Jesus. It's right there in the Bible. Why do we have to look for any other suspects? And so throughout the ages, people have said, well, we can persecute the Jews because they're the murderers of our saviour. And so we see that the Jewish people suffered in the time of the Crusades. We see that Jewish people were a big target during the Spanish Inquisition. And of course, Hitler played on those kind of prejudices as well to persecute the people during World War II. When Mel Gibson released his movie, The Passion of the Christ, um, people were focusing on one tiny piece of the movie. And uh, John Meacham, who was from Newsweek, wrote in his column... Mel Gibson's powerful but troubling new movie, The Passion of the Christ, is reviving one of the most explosive questions ever. Who really killed Jesus? And so if you're already inclined to hate people that are different and inclined to, to be bigoted against the Jews, well, that's just, you can just use that to justify your bigotry. But by focusing on only one set of suspects, people are leading you astray. They're trying to point you in that direction and pin the blame only on those people out there. Blaming the Jews is a way for people to distract from their own culpability in the crime because there's another suspect who's trying to distract our attention. And this is our third suspect, and that's all of us. Uh, in an interview in 2010, an interviewer asked Billy Joel about his stance on being an atheist. And uh, Billy Joel responded like this. He said, you know, I used to go to Mass with my friends and I viewed the whole business as a, a load of very enthralling hocus-pocus. There's a guy hanging upon the wall in the church, nailed to a cross and dripping blood, and everyone's blaming themselves for that man's torment. But I said to myself, forget it. I had no hand in this evil. I have no original sin. There's no blood of any sacred martyr on my hands. I pass on all this. Well, Billy Joel can try and pass all he wants. The Bible says something differently. Uh, back in Isaiah, we read that we're talking about prophesying forward in future to the Messiah. Surely he took our pain 
and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus died for every one of us. When he was asked in an interview, who killed Jesus? Mel Gibson didn't point to the Jews. He said, we are all culpable for the death of Christ. My sins, your sins, put him on the cross. The uh, Dutch artist Rembrandt painted this wonderful picture. He painted a lot of uh, religious pictures of Jesus, a few of them around the crucifixion. Uh, This one in particular is called The Raising of the Cross. Uh, So it's when Jesus was being lifted up, they put him on the cross and they're raising him up to stand up. And uh, as you look at that picture, you might notice, you know, you can see kind of this is like meant to represent a Jewish leader and in the background you can kind of see crowds. But there's this guy standing right beside the cross there, dressed in blue. You might think, who is that guy? Who is that guy? We look a bit closer in it. That is Rembrandt himself. He put his own face in that picture because he recognised that he was part of that crowd that crucified Jesus. He recognised that his fingerprints were on the cross. And so in the shadows of the cross, along with Rembrandt, there are you and I, each one of us responsible. Now, many crime films have some kind of a mastermind in the backdrop, you know. Maybe it's a drug lord or a gang leader or something like that. Maybe it's the guy you least expected, you know, the nice guy throughout the whole film turns out to be the big bad. And when we look at the death of Jesus, we realise there is something more going on in the background. We realise that Jesus is not just some ordinary victim of a crime. It's true that the Jewish leaders called for his crucifixion. It's true that it was the Romans that nailed him to the cross. Interestingly, no one hates the Italians. Romans were the ones that hung him on the cross. I don't know. But yeah, they were involved, but it wasn't also their fault. It's also true that each one of us is responsible because Jesus died for our sins. But ultimately, the cross of Christ is God's decision. We read in Acts 23 that this man was handed over by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God's deliberate plan. Jesus came into this world with the express purpose of dying for us. He left his throne in heaven for that very reason. His death was planned long before the Jews ever knew he existed. Long before the Romans ever invented crucifixion, Jesus, as part of the Godhead, decided that he was going to come and pay the price for our sin. So the crucifixion was planned long before you and I ever fell into sin. The Bible tells us that crucifixion had actually been planned from the very beginning of creation. So if you look at the very last book of Revelation, you read Jesus is described as the Lamb of God 
who was slain from the creation of the world. You see, Billy Joel got it wrong. Jesus wasn't sent so that we would look upon ourselves and upon somebody else with some kind of loathing or hatred. Oh, it's your fault Jesus died. That's not what it's all about. It's quite the opposite. The cross gives us a a completely different message to pinning the blame. The cross gives us this. In uh, John 3... Hang on, where am I? Sorry, skip... John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross has always been part of God's plan because God loves us. God loves us. He has always loved us. When he created the world, He loved us. When we fell into sin, he loved us. When we nailed him to the cross, he loved us. And the cross that was planned from the beginning of creation is proof of the incredible love of God. There was once a a woman who was dying of AIDS... And, uh, and they summoned a minister to her bedside to give her comfort. And she said to him, I'm lost. I've ruined my life and the life of everyone around me. And now I'm going painfully to hell. There is no hope for me. And the preacher was at a bit of a loss. He didn't know what to say. And as he scanned the room, he looked and she had this old dressing table in the corner. And seated on the top of that dresser was a photo of a young girl. And so he said to her, "Um, who's this? And for the first time since he entered that room, the woman smiled. and said, ah, that's my beautiful daughter. The one good thing in my life. And so the minister asked, how much do you love her? Would you help her if she, was in hurry, in, in, uh, if she was in danger or in trouble? Would you be there for her if she made a really bad mistake? Would you forgive her? Would you still love her? And the woman cried out, of course I would. I would do anything for her. How could you even ask me such a question? And he replied, because I want you to know that God has a photo of you on his dresser. God loves you so much that he wants to forgive you. He's got you on his dresser. Yes, we are guilty of the death of Christ. Yes, many people had a hand in it. Our fingerprints are all over the cross. But Christ's death was a crime of passion. And unlike the kind of crimes of passion you see on the TV, you know, a scorned lover, a a divorced husband or whatever it might be, the crime is ours, but the passion is God's. God loved us so much, so much that even if there was only one of us standing here today, if we were the only person in the world who'd fallen into sin, he still would have died for us because that's how much he loves us. What a God we serve. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Father, 
We thank you for the cross. Lord, we, we sometimes find it hard to believe. Uh, in fact, you, you said this uh, in your word, that, that people would barely give their life for a good person. Why would they give their life for a sinner? And yet your love is so great that you always planned, you always intended to give yourself freely for us. And we thank you for that incredible demonstration of your love. We thank you, Lord, because no matter what the world's going through now, no matter how people are afraid or nervous or whatever they might be, Lord, we know you love us. And that is an unchanging truth that has been true since before the creation of the world. We thank you, Lord, that we have that truth to hang on to. We thank you, Lord, that even though our fingerprints are on the cross, we don't have to despair and feel guilt over it because you chose to do that for us and you chose to do that so that you could forgive us and so that we could be cleansed of our sin. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. Help us as we go out this week, Lord, to be people who don't panic, to be people who don't um, get stressed over the things that are going on in the world. Help us, Lord, to hang on to this anchor, this foundational truth that we are the children of a God who loves us. And no matter how much we may fail, no matter how often we may make mistakes and fall away, you love us. Thank you for your love. In the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those that have donated to us online, enabling us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. Click the link in the description or visit yokinebaptist.church to find out other ways you can support us. If you enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.